0: Well, good morning, church. You may all take a seat. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, kids are uh, dismissed to go with Pastor Becky to the kids' table time today for their own special godly play um, episode, I guess it is, their story of today. So so welcome. I'm so glad that everybody's here with us today. It's been a, a quite chilly week here in Pennsylvania and um some of us have enjoyed that others are just counting down the days i think it's like how many days until spring i think officially 40 something i think in the books i don't know i saw something posted online so welcome i'm glad that you're here i'm pastor chris and um it's a pleasure to worship with you today well today i want to start with a question for you all well actually a series of questions for you all and as i ask these questions I'm going to ask you if you would just be transparent with me today. They're kind of general questions, but there's some specifics in there. You'll see what I mean when I say them. But if you would just... Um, Humor me and raise your hand. So if one of these questions applies to you, I just ask that if you're in the room here, if you would just raise your hand and keep your hand up. If you're at home, um, in the chat, there's a chance for you to just say yes, or that's me, or whatever you would like to do in that, because we want to develop that dialogue uh, with you guys wherever you're worshiping from today. So you'll see what I mean as as I ask these questions. So have you ever... We're getting serious right from the start here, guys. Have you ever dreamt of love only to have your heart broken? Have you dreamt of marriage that has end in, ended in divorce? Raise your hand. Keep your hand up. Have you dreamt of helping people only to be used? Have you dreamt of having children but struggled with infertility or singleness or miscarriage? Put your hand up. Have you dreamt of changing lives, but you yourself have had your life changed through tragedy? Put your hand up. Have you dreamt of a job or position, but you were discriminated against for your gender, ethnicity, or race? Put your hand up. Have you dreamt of having a loving, normal, quote, normal family, but you or someone you love has coped with mental illness, dementia, physical impairments? Put your hand up. Have you yourself faced something that was unexpected that changed the course that you thought you were on in life? Put your hand up. Okay, so everybody look around for a second. Keep your hands up. Adversity does not discriminate. It does not discriminate on, you can put your hands down. It does not discriminate on on gender. It does not discriminate on economic status. It does not discriminate on age. Adversity does not discriminate. And when you face adversity, when you face a struggle, um, what often makes it worse are well-meaning people tell you lots of things. And it kind of ranges on a spectrum, doesn't it? Uh, We have what um, I call are the U-Haul people, and I call them that because it's kind of like, move on, like get in that moving truck, just Leave, like, leave that behind, just get on that truck. And then the other extreme of the graveyard, graveyard people that tell you that life is over. That's it, you're stuck here forever, it's the end. Um, I have a friend who um, encountered some tragedy in her life. She lost a daughter who was very young. And when she went to get help about that, um, the experts told her, the next five years of your life, you will be stuck. You're now at risk for estrangement or divorce from your husband. And you also have a 50% greater chance of having a heart attack in the next five years. And so she told that expert, well, thanks. I thought my life was already crappy, right? But you can be left, you know, feeling like a victim, overwhelmed, frustrated. You know, most of us don't have to be told how bad things are when we encounter adversity, because believe me, I think we already know that. But what I have found time and time again, and also studies have revealed this, what we need most at those times is this thing called hope. This thing called hope. What makes the difference between someone who is stuck and someone who is resilient is that thing called hope. And of course, there are other factors involved here, but generally, that thing is called hoped. And when the author of the book of Hebrews gives us a definition of faith in the New Testament Scriptures, it's interesting that author says this in Hebrews 11.1. 1, now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Can you all say that with me? Say this verse up on the screen here. Ready? Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, we have an opportunity when we face trials to lean in or turn back. We can choose despair or we can choose hope. See, hope, hope is what resiliency in life is made of. And if you've ever I had one of these i had a hard time actually finding one in our office today but hope is basically the rubber of the rubber band it helps it bounce back it helps us spring. maybe you as a kid you know you used to fling these things at, at people but hope is the rubber of the rubber band that makes it resilient that allows it to bounce back and so today today we continue our sermon series start dreaming again and we've been studying the story of a famous dreamer in the bible the old testament joseph joseph in the technicolor dream coat donny osmond version right and and so but in the story in the story in the bible um it starts off he's about 17 years old You know what it was like when you were 17, or maybe you have a 17-year-old, or you're going to be 17. Um, He was young, and he was favored. God gave him these grandiose dreams for his life that one day he was going to be in charge and that his brothers were going to bow down to him, including his father. He was loved by his dad and given this wonderful gift of a coat that was said to be many colors. But almost immediately in the story, Almost immediately, life goes downhill really, really fast. And we talked about that last week and the week before. His, his brothers get super upset and jealous with him because he's kind of bratty. He's kind of arrogant, strutting around with this, basically saying he's the favored one here. And, and so they get so upset that last week we told the story that they basically take him throw him into a cistern into a well and then there's a bunch of traders that happen to be going by as they're eating their lunch there in the field determining what they should do with him and they say well why should we kill him why don't we just sell him right you've thought about that with your siblings at some point if you would admit that why do we kill him let's just sell him and they sell him into slavery so the first adversity that joseph encounters age 17 sold to egypt He's sold to Egypt immediately. He's plunged into his first significant challenge in life. So Egypt, I was thinking about this. Egypt is kind of like that place you didn't choose the place that you were sent. It's a it's a test of any dream. And so Joseph, believe it or not, ends up in a kind of fortunate circumstance. He ends up in the house of this guy named Potiphar, who was one of the uh, ruling officials at that time. And so even as he's a slave in this household, doing jobs like emptying the chamber pots, cleaning up after everybody else, um, he demonstrates that it's important to grow where you're planted. And we talked about that last week, that even in the face of, of dreams that seemingly are shattered, it's important to grow where we're planted. And Joseph does exactly that. And so he works hard day by day, month by month go by, and he eventually rises up to be put in charge of Potiphar's affairs in his whole household. He's risen up to this position. And so at that point in the story, we would expect that things would turn around, right? That he would build and grow towards that dream that God had given him, that God had planned for him. But that It's kind of like, you know, he's been through the rough patch and now it's over. You ever felt like that? But that's not exactly what happens. That's not what happens at all. Instead, we're told that Potiphar had a wife who had a kind of fancy for Joseph, And she wanted a relationship with him. And she goes to him and she wants to get him. And he refuses. And he not only refuses time and time again, but at some point when he's cornered, he actually runs away from her, leaving his jacket at the time. See this kind of jacket trend here? And he runs away. But then we're told in Genesis 39, so starting verse 16, she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. She's kind of clever here. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Not a happy dude. So Joseph's master took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So adversity number one, he's taken to Egypt. Adversity number two, he faces temptation and accusation for something he did not do. It's interesting, the greatest temptations in life, they don't usually come when we're down here, when we're kind of rock bottom. They come when we're up here, when things are going well. When, when almost you would say we're utilizing our strengths, and those of us who have done kind of the strengths finders, like you know, an analysis of ourselves, we know that they have basements. And that's often, that's often where temptation comes to take you down and greets you. Yet Joseph, very interesting, Joseph concedes nothing at the expense of the dream. He keeps that dream and the vision of that at the forefront. See, for him, it's not about personal well-being. It's about the hope that allows him to see himself as a man of destiny. And he's not willing to squander that on a fling of passion. And so this incident, it kind of represents, I think, the consequences for doing the right thing. Have you ever been felt punished for doing the right thing? He chose to help somebody out and it turned into this whole big blow up or something happened and you kind of regret that at times. But, but Joseph chooses to do the right thing and in turn he gets punished for it. And so at the end of chapter 39, he's lower than he was before. I mean, he was a slave before, but now he's thrown into prison. He's worse off. And then the story goes on to say that something then happens in prison. So, so the story continues, verse 20. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. How about that? So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did okay so adversity number three he goes from being tempted and accused to now being thrown in prison and you notice a theme though here and that's kind of found in that beginning in verse 21 that we said notice the theme that even in jail though he found a way to engage what god had for him even though even though the lord was with him right now he's in charge of all the prisoners. So he's kind of going on this roller coaster here. But then, then we move on to chapter 40, and I'm gonna kind of summarize this because it's a pretty long chapter. You can go ahead and read it for yourself. But in prison, he encounters these two dudes, this one guy who's a cupbearer and this other guy who's a baker. And they both worked for Pharaoh. But guess what? They were thrown into prison too. So they meet their kind of buddies in this prison area. Well, these guys have start having dreams. They have dreams, and so they're told that, that Joseph seems to be this kind of dream dude. He has lots of dreams and ideas, and maybe he can interpret them for them, right? So they go to him and say, hey, Joseph, can you do me a favor? Can you interpret our dreams? And, and in turn for that, in turn for that, Joseph says, well, if I do, though, like once you guys get out of prison, especially if it's way before me, can you go and tell Pharaoh about me? Can you not forget me? Can you remember me, maybe help me out once you are on the outside? And of course they make that promise and say, sure, sure, oh, yeah, yeah, we would definitely do that. Does that ever happened to you, right? Somebody's like, yeah, yeah, I'll help you, whatever, and then you're like, you know, mm, mm, never, never showed up. But guess what, so they tell Joseph their dreams. And they tell them one's a good dream interpretation and one's a not so good dream. Joseph helps them out, and long story short, One is killed, which is what his uh, dream was revealing. But the other one gets out. The other one gets out. And of course, what had they done? They made a promise, right? He made a promise to tell the Pharaoh about Joseph, that he's here, you know, he's available. He's probably, you know, get him out a little bit easier. But then we're told in verse 23, the chief cupbearer, the guy who got out, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He forgot him. He forgot him. So next adversity, being forgotten. Being forgotten. Have you ever been forgotten? You ever felt forgotten? Right? Just as Joseph was about to have a break here, he's plunged even further down. He's forgotten by those who said that they were going to help him. How about that? See, this isn't supposed to happen to somebody who is given a dream by God, right? Right? This is not supposed to happen. There's a pattern here. Just as he thought things were getting better, he was plunged into a brand new valley to contend with. And so years go by here, guys. Years go by. The time he's 30 years old, his first half of life is defined by disappointments and tragedy. But you can also see another theme. Not just disappointments and tragedy and adversity, you can also see that even though his life had so much of that no fewer than 7 times 7 times in this does the story say but the Lord was with him 7 times twice in one verse 3 times in one chapter in chapter 39 This is known as what's called a blessing formula in the Bible. There are several of them that are used. This is a blessing formula that was also used over Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. A blessing formula that was then later translated and used with Jesus. Emmanuel, right? God with us. See, God was doing something here. God was doing something there. But, of course, Joseph... He had absolutely zero evidence that God was doing something. He had zero evidence that 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 idea was actually true. But over and over again, he chose hope. He chose hope. Not hope that this would be the last adversity that he would encounter in life. Not hope that he would go back to what was before But what would become a defining feature in Joseph's life was that over and over he mustered up this kind of unwavering hope and trust that God would be there, that he didn't give up on God despite the circumstances. And as a a result, he didn't give up on the dream. See, here's what really strikes me about this story. See, Joseph's hope produced resiliency. allowed him to bounce back after each and every trial and struggle and i think i think that's an important reminder for us that our lives will be defined by lots and lots of valleys as we've already indicated they have been and some some will have a steeper elevation change than others, I'm sure. You know, some of us, it's kind of like we have the, the round-top adversities, and some of us have, like, Rocky Mountain adversities, and they're a little bit different, but they're still adversities. But I wish I could tell you that you, were only, you would only encounter one, but I can't. There will always be more than one. And some of us, some of us will be facing in Egypt, Some of us will be followed and chased by a Potiphar's wife. Some of us will be followed by imprisonment or being trapped. Others followed by being forgotten. And there's a temptation in each of these to stop. To stop trusting, to stop working, to stop dreaming, to stop living. I had a friend recently who... um, Her a company that she started is going through a pretty rough time, just given the pandemic and climate and that kind of thing. And they're all been working remotely and trying to hold things together. And one of her um, like uh, chief clients proposed the idea, why don't you just take a strategic pause, like the strategic pause? And she's like, what the heck is that? Right? Like, what, what do you mean? Like, we just put everything on hold and we don't continue this? Like, that would mean death here for the company. That would mean death for the dream. That would mean uh, stopping everything that's going on. And he's like, well, no, just a strategic pause. And she's like, okay, wh- whatever, right? But there's always going to be that temptation to stop in the midst of the trial. Dreams, though, dreams require us to have a resilient hope that stays intact, through the valleys of life. See, our dreams, our dreams have to be resilient enough to withstand not just one valley, but several valleys. We have to be the kind of people that when we are faced with a choice, that we choose hope. And I share this because I get concerned about the resiliency of our hope. Resiliency of our, of our hope these days. See, especially when it comes to faith, uh, so many Christians have a faith that's so inflexible that it shatters when it hits a pothole, right? That as soon as something gets hard or whatever, the, the faith just totally blows up and I give up and I'm turned away. And that's it. We give up so easily because we think that if we have faith in God, everything should work out. And we live also in a culture where it's so easy to walk away. It's so easy to walk away from people and things and jobs and relationships it's 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 so concerning when we don't have resiliency to stick with it to see it through especially when it comes to faith we have this view that things shouldn't go wrong and when something happens you know god is punishing us or or that hey you know i should just get rid of it i don't want to face the pain of that and I have to agree that there are times when it just totally seems unfair and it feels like the right thing to do. But what if, like in Joseph's story, what if, what if when, we, when we give up, God, if we would give up on God, it also means that we're giving up on the dream that God has given us too. What if, what if our lives then, once we give up on God and give up on, on the dreams that he's given, then our lives become so small and so defined by only our circumstances around us. Joseph didn't allow his circumstances to define him, to define his dreams, or to define what is possible. He didn't give up on the hope that God was at work, even though he didn't see it, even though we didn't understand it. So here's what I want you to hear today, for all of us to hear. The dreams you have are going to require you to get good at choosing hope over and over and over and over and over again. And there's evidence of this truth all around us because isn't it right that when you do look around, you see that Cool things are usually done by people who chose to believe something good would happen. People like J.K. Rowling, rejected over a, by a, over a dozen publishers, has the letters to prove it. And we know that she's written one of the highest grossing books in children's book. And, you know, we have many adults that read it in, in history. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, crazy, Right? a call to live among the poor in india people that were kind of were the outcasts and continue to be outcasts of society the sick the lepers she almost quit did you know many a time she almost quit she doubted her own call she wasn't hearing from god but yet she established this school and this agency that has saved and touched almost millions of lives to this day what about henry ford Model T. And you know why it's called the Model T? Well, models A through S couldn't cut it. <laughs> Trying to make mass-produced automobiles. Henry Ford dreamed that one day that would be possible, and so he worked towards that, and others said it would be an impossible thing, but yet we have a car that basically started everything and can look back to our vehicles that we drive today. Another person, Coretta Scott King, somebody that we don't talk about a lot. We talk a lot about Martin Luther King Jr., who deserves deserves that recognition. But Coretta Scott King was the wife of Martin Luther King, just as educated, just as involved, just as upset by the injustice she was seeing that she saw around her. It's interesting, MLK said this about her, that in the darkest moments, she always brought the light of hope. I'm convinced that if I had not had a wife with the fortitude, strength, and calmness of Corey, I would not have withstood the ordeals and tensions surrounding this movement. See, dreams require us to choose hope, even when the evidence around us doesn't suggest it. Imagine there was many a time that Coretta Scott King looked around and saw that nothing was working, nothing was happening, nothing would change. I imagine that the frustration that Henry Ford faced looking around at things that were not working at. Mother Teresa, who had doubts of her own, who questioned her own call from God. J.K. Rowling, who just rejected time and time and time again. But dreams require us to choose hope, even when we can't see it. You know, what if it's a dream for a healthy marriage? What if it means choosing hope in the seasons when it looks like you're not going anywhere? Or if, if you're in recovery, What if it means choosing hope that the future is going to be better than the past? Or if you're in physical pain, choosing hope to not allow pain to steal the joy that you've been given. What about when you're trying something new, professionally or or personally? Choosing hope to say that God is working ahead of me. God is working ahead of us. When you're doing something that is right, that is the right thing to do, when you're standing up for someone who needs it, what if you choose hope believing that regardless of how it turns out for you, God is a God of justice and justice will be served? Parents, for you guys, there are days that you will have to choose hope and you will are choosing hope when it feels like you are living only in defeat. For church, We live in an age when fewer and fewer people define themselves as Christians that are religious, choosing hope to believe that God is not done and maybe it just looks a little bit different, but the gospel remains the same. In any dream, there will be times when a situation lends itself to giving up, to giving in, or letting go. But dreams require us to be resilient by choosing hope. Hope means being and believing that the current situation that we are in will be used by God to lead somewhere new. So here's where I want to leave today. Some of you, some of you guys online who are here today are on the edge with God because of an adversity you are facing right now. Some that you are believing that if you just had one more discouragement, one more thing that happened, you're done. You're just done. You're going to give up. You're going to let go. You're going to walk away. Some of you guys have been digging out to find hey, yeah, there's just one more thing that you're facing. And it's easy in that place to give in to other voices that will tempt and attack. And that's the place where dreams die. But I want to encourage you today don't give up on God, on those dreams. Joseph didn't understand or know what his dream would eventually look like, but he had hoped that God is doing something. And thousands of years later, believe it or not, Jesus would come ultimately to fulfill a promise of hope that had been given over centuries. I want to leave you today with another verse, one I think that describes this better than I can from Romans chapter 5. And the Apostle Paul tells us, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Choose hope. Hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint, and Joseph believed that. I'm here to tell you that it didn't disappoint him, and remember that faith is the confidence in the things that you have hoped for. The result is resiliency, the ability to bounce back. And that goes regardless of the Egypt, the temptation, the accusation, the prison, the feeling forgotten. A life of choosing hope will not disappoint. Sometimes we needed that reminder to know that despite our circumstances that God's at work.